two, three, four blue, yellow, green things, and these at the same time? No, I actually learned this in a bar when I was probably about 10. Oh. <laughs> when you were tying up stems? Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to a special episode of 1980s Now. We are a weekly examination of 1980s media and its continued influence today, right now, at Southern Fried Gaming Expo. Woo! Rally the troops. This will be great when they hear it on the audio version of the podcast because it'll sound more than five, like five people are here. <laughs> Somehow, the three of you. Thank you. Those in the arena? Really count it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, my name is Will. Uh, and joining me, as always, are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Uh, in the same room for the first time ever. <gasps> Thank you for emphasizing cool. that. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, John, for weeks, Kat's been teasing that she wanted to s- s- hug you. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned we might need to get uh, a court involved. <laughs> yeah. uh, how did that go? Is that okay? It's been okay. It's yeah. not been abusive. Okay. Very good. <laughs> no court, no restraining orders required. No blinking twice if I need an adult. None of that's taking yes. place. So it's going all right. I was concerned. Yeah, it, good. I spread out my ambushes. I, you know, kept right. them evenly spaced right. so it wasn't right. too much. It's not just one yet. attack. It's, it's like death by a thousand cuts, you know, mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting gradually hugged. And meanwhile, I also have not met John in person, although we've known each other virtually for a couple of years now. I was just standing awkwardly by while Kat hugged you for which seemed like an incredibly inappropriate amount of time. But that's okay. All right. So that's fine. Inappropriate's so, relative, though, I think. So. Okay. so, hey, you're not here to talk about, hear us talk about our issues that should otherwise be aired out in therapy. <laughs> Uh, but uh, usually, so every week we have a, a podcast where we talk about some aspect of 1980s culture and often how it's continued or, or connected to... T- you know, something going on today. And today we are coming to you with something appropriate uh, with regard to those parameters and also for our venue here because we are, as I mentioned, live at the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. Uh, Excuse me. I thought that was offensive to you. No, I was, I'm just so excited to be here that it burped. Oh. Oh. I, thought I thought you for found sure something chuckle <laughs> or, or I got the venue wrong. You're like, we're at Dragon Con, you idiot. Where are we? Yeah. Anyway, but uh, so keeping with the theme of Southern Fried Gaming Expo, we have a true crime, mm. which we also do on our show from time to time. It takes place in the 1980s. It's not so much a crime as it's a travesty, as we say. Uh, and it has to do with a notorious, infamous, dear I say, video game series by Atari. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm excited. Oh, I thought you were doing the Donkey Kong. He's dancing. He's dancing. I can't do anything without getting the, the third degree. Wow. Was it funny? Did you burp? What happened? Are you doing the Donkey Kong? What's happening down there? It's almost too easy for me to reach out now. Just be like, no, no, stop. <laughs> Quit it. Cut it out. Anyway, so how this usually works, as we do on our uh, podcast every week, is I will share. Don't leave. It gets better. You only close the door. Like, you were here earlier when you applauded. There was a sign that says, once you enter, you're contractually obligated to stay till the end. When Kat makes the show go on too long. <laughs> Where do you think they thought they were? Uh, <laughs> what, what, Which, what was that? What, right? Homeschool experts. What oh. could they have mistaken us for? 
This is in 1990s later. Oh, no. That's another hey, one. What are you doing? He's, oh, he's going to hunt him down. He's going to bring him back for us. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, look. Right. This gentleman's got He's going nowhere. He's got it. Yeah. He's got a Warren Robinette's yeah. masterpiece on his chest. Yes. He's right, going nowhere good. for How this. appropriate, too. Mm, as we'll soon learn. Okay, so here's how it goes. I tell Kat and John, who are, you know, a varying degrees familiar with the stories, oftentimes they have no clue about anything about the story we're talking mm-hmm. about. We've actually talked about crimes before. Mm-hmm. We talked about a crime of sorts with the Cabbage Patch a Kid's origin uh, last time. Uh, so this one's a little bit different because I know John knows a little bit about the story because as everyone knows, in addition to being a co-host here, he hosts his very own podcast, Gen X Grown Up, and they've been very active throughout the convention uh, Super dorks. this yes. weekend. So I'll yeah. share some information for them. Easy, everyone. Them. Enough applause. Thank yes. you. No, really. It's, John, let's move on with this show. <laughs> oh. All right. That's a smattering. I'm not going to sweeten it the way I want to sweeten the earlier applause. Just Thanks. Thanks. I'm going to add, I'm going to take that earlier one and layer it. Can you add yawns? I might just take it out. Just, yeah. And the door slamming. <laughs> now we're leaving. So I'm going to share a little bit of information. Uh, and we'll take a little break. I, I listened to one trime, true, trime, uh, true, what is it? True, true crime? crime podcast. And it was a guy talking very seriously. And they played music behind him. Hopefully you'll be able to hear it. I don't know. I think so. And then he would leave, uh, leave off like on a cliffhanger. And then they would change the music. And then he would start talking again, you know? So it was almost like commercial breaks that we're used to. But mm-hmm. instead, these guys will have an opportunity to stop me whenever they want, ask questions, or otherwise annoy the hell out of me, <laughs> which is usually what happens during the show. Okay. <laughs> he says that like he doesn't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yet, There's some folks here who can vouch for the fact that yet, I don't. I do not enjoy it. And yet <laughs> it's what brought, has brought him this fame thus far. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> right, these three fine folks here today. They'll sound like 30 strong. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to play a little music here. Oh, I have an intro. I don't usually have an intro, guys. So again, hopefully you can hear this music at all. I don't know. It seems, you know, let me test this one thing out here. Let's see if this, let's see if this is exciting at all when this happens. Oh, I don't know if that's good. All right, whatever. Here we go. Okay. I'm excited. Let's let this music start and then I'll take a drink of water. We can do this. We can stay on your side. <laughs> Usually, I, oh, I can mute myself when I cough, but, but you guys are in the same room. I was like, I'll mute when I cough. <laughs> Just, oh, that's yeah, perfect. Okay. You'll never know. All right, here we go. <laughs> Our tale today is a tale like no other. A tale of adventure and quests of a mighty kingdom on the edge of collapse. A puzzle tied to the stars and the very nature of the universe. Clever heroes and ruthless usurpers. Mysteries solved and treasures lost. Secrets buried in the desert. And mighty champions betrayed. Join us as we adventure for the treasures of Sword Quest. <laughs> Again, the real show is going to be fantastic if you guys want to come back 2024. <laughs> we'll get it worked out. Our tale begins with a humble gray dot. This guy knows what I'm talking about. He's not really paying attention, though. (laughs) The year 1980. Yeah, which of that would be fantastic. Thank you, sir. Because that'll allow me to hear my own voice better, and I love nothing more than that, being honest. (laughs) I'm really being honest. 
That, that's why the script is so long. You'll, you'll see. You'll be leaving like those two ladies. If you think you love Will's voice, you have no idea yes, how right. much Will Get loves Will's voice. Right back here. <laughs> Our tale begins with a humble gray dot. The year 1980. The age of Atari was upon us. A million units were sold and a dozen and a half games released. One was adventure. He doesn't know what shirt right he's there. wearing. Oh, right he does. There. Okay, very good. <laughs> Conceived as a graphic version of text games like Zork, it is now hailed as one of the most influential video games of all time. Love it. Eat that Fortnite. That's <laughs> much better. Adventure was the first action adventure and console. He's gonna stand every just, time I say adventure. Just, he's gonna are stand you pushing up. a button to make I him stand up? Yes. What? I don't think so. <laughs> if I knew where the buttons were, it had that volume louder. We're good. <laughs> adventure was the first action adventure and console fantasy game. In 1981, it was enough that it delivered on the promise of its name, sending players on a quest to recover an enchanted treasure stolen by an evil magician. But slaying dragons. Fighting hidden keys and recovering the goblet were just the beginning. For concealed within adventure was a second stranger quest, one unknown to the adventurer. <laughs> Again, imagine it louder than that. <laughs> unknown to the play, adventurer. Did you play adventure, Kat? I did not. Oh. I'm sorry. I played Missile Command, I played Pac Man, <clears throat> I played ET. Uh-huh. Break out. Oh, okay. I can keep going. Some of those would be adventure. relevant. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. John, do you, you play adventure, right? Sure. Don't worry, Kat. I've played enough adventure for the three of us. Okay, very good. <laughs> it's okay. Yes. <laughs> I remember when I first played adventure, I got a Christmas one, 19, whenever it came out, uh, 80, I guess. I just read. Mm-hmm. I just read. Comprehension. It was, I've stayed up until I finished it. And those games you could take in level one, I'm talking about. You mm-hmm. could take just a few hours. It was fantastic. But I will admit to you, you guys are familiar with adventure? You played adventure? Mm-hmm. I thought for the be. longest time... <laughs> No, I said hours. <laughs> yes, I was like seven years old. Oh, we got the adventure and, champion here. And it was here. level oh. one. Did you leave your trophy at home? There's, there's only two castles, Will. Three hours? Okay, maybe okay. it was the medium setting. <laughs> I, let me start again. I'm going to edit in this word. Most difficult level. I'll edit that back in later. But I thought for Still, the longest- three hours? I thought for the longest time- Hours? I didn't give a specific number. You guys aren't going to tie me down. I thought for the long. This will show you why it took hours. I thought for the longest time. Because we were time, there interrupting him. The sword was an arrow, and I was using it backwards. Did anybody else? No, just me. All right, back to the story. Here we go. <laughs> it still worked. In August of 1980, a youth from Salt Lake City sent a handwritten letter to Atari, claiming he had quote found something strange while exploring the catacombs within the game's Black Castle. He detailed how he discovered a tiny, hidden speck, and how he used this gray dot to enter a mysterious, otherwise inaccessible room elsewhere in the game. There, the boy discovered the final treasure, a secret. The hidden room revealed a mystery that, hey, hey, come on, sit down. I don't care if you're on Gen X Rona. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, is off, George. <laughs> Wait, how do you use a dot? I, I don't understand that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is the, the dot or the speck that you don't understand? The speck. The speck. Yeah, the speck. Ah, yeah. How do you use the speck? Yeah, we're talking about the same thing. 
Yeah, it was, it's, it was a secret single invisible pixel that you okay. could find, and it was visible when it passed through the other walls, but it was not documented, and that's how okay. we're getting to the... Let me do like okay. one more sentence, and then I want to... Yep. Okay. So we were, we're bringing the dot into the room. There, the boy discovered the final treasure, a secret. The hidden room revealed a mystery that kept so rudely interrupted before we could hear. A mystery that had been withheld from the world with one simple message. All right, what, folks, what did it say? Yes! What? Created by Warren, Warren Robinette. Robinette. Okay. <laughs> this is news to me, and also, you all weren't coordinated at all. I heard blah, 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 Perfect. Got it. So this is during the era, a cat, where, where game designers did not get credit for video games. There mm-hmm. weren't credits on the box. Yeah. Uh, it was made, you know, these are works for hire, so mm-hmm. the company could do whatever they want anyway, but it would just say Atari and you'd never know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, they were not compensated uh, commensurately with the amount of revenue the game made. Right. So they were just paid like yeah, a yeah. staff wage, no matter how successful the game was. Right. It rubbed them the wrong way as creatives. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems Ask a little Will, unfair. So, <laughs> I'm still waiting for it. A cent. <laughs> got a, I guess you I got, got a, a dollar from a dollar. the <laughs> It's on your finger. Look, it's right there. <laughs> Warren Robinette, the architect of adventure, was no longer with Atari by the time of the game's release. So he was certain the company would be angered by his act of rebellion and strip his secret credit from future releases of adventure. He was wrong. Instead, the unusual tale of the Grey Dot became the first and best known Easter egg in all of video game lore. With adventure a success, fueled by the intrigue of the Grey Dot, Atari looked to spawn a successor. But before long, their next evolution in gaming would grow into something wholly new, uniquely ambitious, and difficult to tame. (laughs) (laughs) To tame? He's trying to make this as interesting as possible. It's very... (laughs) It is super interesting. You don't have to work. It does the work for you. It's okay. It's awesome. Depending on the audience, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. At least the folks remaining appreciate the story. Well, they haven't left. I think we Katie barred the door. (laughs) Atari's new adventure series was advertised as early as 1981 with two games promised for the following year. One article hailed Sword Quest as the most promising of Atari's forthcoming products. Mm. A, quote, four-part epic mystery that, believe it or not, may take a full year to unravel, end quote. (laughs) The whole thing was a quote. (laughs) The Sword Quest saga would follow twins, Tara. Is it Tara? You say Mm. Tara? Tara. Tara. And Tor on a sprawling journey for the Sword of Ultimate Sorcery. Bringing them into conflict with their parents. No button. With their, it's not that, no, that's not the tag yet. It's dramatic. Into <laughs> conflict with their parents' murderer, the evil king Tyrannus. <laughs> no, not yet. Still no. Each chapter will lead into the next, but could also be played as a standalone adventure. Nothing like it had been attempted before. And, not yet, for good reason. For the scope of the ambitious story was only the beginning of Atari's audacity. Yeah, that's it. There it is. Yes. <laughs> Does this make any sense at all so far? Yes. I'm following. I'm trying to listen okay. very so, Kat, carefully. Kat, Kat could, yeah. could you recap for us? 
Um, they are, all their names start with the letter T. Tara, Tora. That, that is a detail. Tyrannus. Yes. What was the, their father's name? I, yeah. the, the big thing is, is that you know, this game adventure has this little. I feel like you know, corp, corporations, movies, TV shows. You know, these mm-hmm. companies they do this all the time, right? They find out they distill something down to the one little thing that they think people love. You were talking about this sort of on one of your panels, mm-hmm. and they think we'll just do that. Yeah, yeah. This must be the thing they yeah. loved, right? So we'll hide a bunch of stuff in another game, and you have to find mm-hmm. it and know where to put it. Yep. I mean, I don't know. That's how I sum it up. <laughs> so they started making a series of games. That was their inspiration. Okay. So they're capitalizing or on the accidental thing that the- Success of the, the other yeah, guy. Right. Done. Okay. 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 Yeah, like yeah. to iterate upon the success and the, the popularity, okay. really, of the secret thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And they went all out, as we'll learn here. Oh, yeah. Is this now the second- like this after the first one in Adventure? Yes, uh, Sword Quest, the Furious Four, yeah, Worlds, yep, yep. Now, now we're getting into it, yes. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. All that other stuff we're going to cut out when we actually hear the podcast. We're going to start now, here. <laughs> yeah, right. What was your question? I So is Sword Quest the second opportunity for Oh, people for like an Easter egg type? To, yeah, or, or were there other Easter eggs? happening. I think it's not so much that they created Easter eggs. It was that the first was a hidden Easter egg that was not intentional. Okay. And this is the first where like, hey, maybe we can make that part of the game rather than something that was not supposed to be there. Yes, there are other Easter eggs in other games. The discoverability, now they're intentionally trying to do that as part of the game. Yep. All right, cool. To win each game, players would unearth clues concealed not only within the not To win each game, players would unearth clues concealed not only within the confines of their TV screens, but also in a companion comic book that accompanied each cartridge. Since Atari's parent Warner Communications Mm -hmm. also owned DC Comics, they recruited royalty to tell the tale of this epic quest. Mm -hmm. Roy Thomas best known for introducing Conan the Barbarian to a generation of comic book readers. Conan, John, Conan. Conan? Conan. Conan. And Jerry Conway, who drafted the gut-wrenching death of Gwen Stacy, were brought in to write. Art was provided by legendary George Perez, who was working on DC's best-selling New Teen Titans at the time. And Dick Giordano, whose pedigree extended back to Charlton Comics. But more was to come. A treasure hunt as daring as Sword Quest demanded an equally compelling prize. And Atari planned to exceed all expectations. So, (laughs) what do you imagine? So you don't know know this story, obviously. John John knows the story. What could possibly... uh, Just fantasize. What could be a prize that you could win an Atari... You know, be the... Win an Atari game, I guess, beat everybody else that you would get... Ooh, ooh, mm. ooh, no, not ooh. you. You know the answer. <laughs> ooh, ooh. I ooh. <laughs> uh, imagine, well, as I would have wanted, like maybe yeah. another Atari game. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or like a plaque. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Kinda, so, uh, John, yeah. in 1980s dollars, what would an Atari game be valued at? Let's see, the most successful game. I know. Really? You mean oh, like yeah, ret- oh, you know, right? Because of that. Like retail. The money you won when you, the right? money you right. used. Yeah. Retail. What was the game you got again? Cubert? Uh, no, no. Frogger. 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 It was Frogger. Yeah. 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 It was $27. All right, so $27. They raised like 20 30 bucks, right? Okay, depending so upon the publisher, yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. Let me tell you what Atari did, because they were nuts. <laughs> the talisman of penultimate truth, the chalice of light, the crown of life, 
the Philosopher's Stone. Oh. To their great fortune or mm -hmm. misadventure, <laughs> Warners also owned the Franklin Mint. You guys remember the Franklin Mint? There was like so many commercials. <laughs> yes. Yes. An Enterprise? Oh, yeah. you do. I'm oh, collecting, right. yes. oh, collecting Star Trek plates. Yep. There were so many <laughs> things I wanted. My parents were like, no, we're not spending money on that garbage. <laughs> yeah. Too bad it's all worth a ton now. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, well, oh, not wow. all. Some. Okay. Some. <laughs> so they own the Franklin Mint. That's mm -hmm. what we are. Okay. So much as these that I just listed earlier sounded like mere in-game treasures, Cat, mm -mm. Warner was uniquely positioned to bring these artifacts to dazzling life. And so they did. Each chapter of Sword Quest was to culminate in a contest allowing a clever hero to claim one of these real-life treasures, each valued at $25,000. What? Oh, wait, oh, there's more. <laughs> What's that? I missed it. I stepped no, on the I was joke. playing the dramatic music. That's all. Okay. But wait, there's more. Now you're stepping on my joke. But wait, there's more. <laughs> the four paragons who conquered each chapter were to face one another in a final challenge to oh. claim the sword of ultimate sorcery. A jewel-encrusted blade worth $50,000. And they were talking about 1980s dollars, too. Mm -hmm. I, mean, that right. I don't know what it would be worth now, but at least double, I would imagine, at least. Four well, times. And, well, and it's but it's not just the value in retail. It's or appreciation. It's all precious materials. It's real gold. Yes, it's right, real yeah. gemstones. Mm -hmm. It's real stuff, right? Mm -hmm. it's, and it's since the it's 19... not a prop. <laughs> yeah. And in the 1980s, we're expecting a poc an apocalypse at any moment, nuclear apocalypse. Right. Then you've got something to trade, or you know, gold's what you exactly need, right? When you're when you're fighting off that's the what... new radioactive zombies. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> so these things existed, yep. like they yes. were made. Oh well, yeah. Here we go. A treasure hunt like no other, you say, cat. <laughs> That's quest, what I said. A quest for the ages, yes, but a tale perhaps too good to be true. Mm. <laughs> prophetic, Will. Very prophetic. Well, yeah, I have the benefit of 40 years of hindsight. <laughs> Earthworld. Oh. that it? Are you doing the Cat and John show on, I, over here? Is that what's going on? I was commenting on the change in music, but then it went back. There's oh. something going on with that. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, it's just supposed to be okay. interesting. All right. <laughs> All right. The words are what's I'm, more important. We're, right? we're, we're, we're very sorry we interrupted you to compliment you on your production value. Please proceed. If you're going to compliment me, use the microphone. Though. We've talked about this before. I'm trying. I don't want emails when we're recording to it. Thank you. Earthworld, the first up, of the planned four-part adventure series, arrived in October of 1982 with promises of Zodiac-themed adventures, hitting players against challenges like the Dark Bull Pit of Taurus. Did I get that right? And the deadly spears of Sagittarius. <laughs> but those dreaming of a thrilling game that would up the stakes from adventure would have to wait another month for the Raiders of the Lost Ark video game. Because let's face it, that was much better. Instead, <laughs> Earthworld's challengers were met with an intellectual prize, roaming through a dozen bland rooms. Mm. True, some included reflex-related minigames, like a smaller version of Frogger, but mostly oh. players oh. found magical objects. Cat just woke up. <laughs> Somebody said Frogger. For $29.99, carried them to different rooms and hoped some combination of the artifacts would reveal a clue in the form of a pair of numbers. Does sound complicated enough? I am, oh, man. <laughs> it's like the dot 
times however many things. There's a lot. All right. Wow. There is a lot so then, And then here. you find numbers. If you're lucky, you get these mm. numbers. But, but it yes. gets better, and then it gets worse again, though. So go ahead. Here's the better part. <laughs> <laughs> but what to do with those mysterious digits? Ah, oh, a true sage. That's true. Prognosticator <laughs> of retro knowledge. It's as if he were as old as me and been there. Yes. <laughs> and equally disappointed. Spoiler alert. Oh, no. Do you have a sound for spoiler alert? I do, but it's on a different screen, and I'm not going to be bothered doing it right now. Imagine it. And it's all its loud glory. I could do it. Thank you. Okay. I'm great. Oh. <laughs> what? John's great. John's great. <laughs> okay, here we go. I Soon. wish I were great, too. What's happening? <laughs> I'm lost. I'm fine. Soon, <laughs> the most adept players discovered that each set of numbers mapped to a page and panel <gasps> in the game's corresponding comic book. Isn't this crazy? Yes. So you get numbers in a game, then you get the comic book, and then you look at the comic book, you get the right page and panel number, and... There is an artfully concealed word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm picturing like magic eye. I've never seen one of the comic books. Oh. It's cleverly italicized. Or is it like Highlights magazine? <laughs> no, it's not even Highlights. It's No, no, it's not that dramatic. It's in the text bubbles usually. It's in the speech bubbles. Oh. Or it's usually like italicized. But you didn't know to look at that word until you found page whatever, panel okay. this. Gotcha. Hmm. But the concept that I played the game yeah. that... In Atari, I had to imagine what things were and then to be able to take the information from the game and take it right back to the comic book where the yeah. lore is, it's great promise. If, yeah. if they delivered. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know if you could have caught me doing this, really. No. Right. <laughs> Even with the Frogger minigame, still. No. Oh, um, <laughs> all right, I'm on the fence. I'll just play that fence, part yeah, and then fence, move yeah. on. Okay. Soon, the most adept players discovered Bob's... <laughs> artfully concealed word. <laughs> Five of these words formed the game-winning phrase, quest in tower, talisman found. And with, oh, here we go. This is what I was thinking about before. And with 12 rooms, 16 objects, and an untold number of complex combinations of those, it's amazing that anyone successfully completed this game at all. (laughs) Did anyone? Which one (laughs) honest Atari employee referred to as, quote, this is true. The kind of punishment a judge might mete out to a convicted serial killer. <laughs> have, and have either of you played one of these sword quest games? I we I tried research, it for literally like no frogger. Yes. Forty five seconds. And what happened? And I turned it right off. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> it had some great ideas. Yeah. Like it wasn't a dot. It was a little guy running. Yeah. And as long as you like little running guys, that's fun. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it was. A blocky mess. Yeah. And See, I didn't yeah, try it so after sad. I had played mm. Raiders, so... Oh, yeah, I right. Mean, you know, Spoiled so, you. Yeah. Spoiled you. John, you played this? Yeah. To the end? No. Oh. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. okay, so then you're not a serial killer then. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's not leap to conclusions. Yes. Wow. Still waiting for those fingerprints results to come back. <laughs> Yet, in the months that followed, thousands of hopeful heroes embraced the torture and deciphered the code. And eventually, eight soup, eight supreme sages of sorcery. Mm, soup sounds I good. There was soup involved. That's great. As a reward, soup from the Franklin and now, and now, cat's hungry. Is there soup? That's something. 
thing I can identify I was told with. It would be it's just like, <laughs> no, eight supreme sages. Is there sage in the soup? I love sage. Sage. Of sorcery, the title granted to those correctly identifying the phrase. They were, this song sense so long. All right, so these people are now ready to battle one another. <laughs> <laughs> so there's eight supreme sages. Yes, from the first game. So they they got down to eight people. Okay, mm-hmm. so no eating. Got it. Okay. And so then these are, oh, sorry, yeah, no, no eating. Here's, okay. the, here's yep. what actually happens. Yep. Yep. In May of 1983, the mm-hmm. champions of Earthworld <laughs> gathered at Atari headquarters for a contest that was equal parts Willy Wonka, the last <laughs> starfighter, and absolute garbage. <laughs> <laughs> a diverse group, including high school and college students, a housewife, and a Coast Guard lieutenant raced to best a modified version of Earthworld. Mm-hmm. Their bounty, the talisman of penultimate truth, an 18-carat solid gold disc studded with 12 diamonds, the birthstones right. of the 12 zodiac signs, and a miniature white gold sword set atop it. Ultimately, in a mere 47 minutes, 20-year... I see what's going on over here. I'm just, not, I'm just ignoring it. What? 20-year-old... Let me get through this. Just let me get to this one page. 20-year-old Stephen Bell emerged victorious. This is important. Okay, I'll listen. I will listen. You are prejudging what's happening over here. What do you got? What do you want? What's up? We're enjoying the discussion. Okay, then let's get back. We're nodding, and she's looking at me like, really? Incredulously? And I'm nodding, yeah, really? Okay, very good. You told us not to interrupt and not to get- No, you can interrupt. I told you to. All right, you're right. Either way, I'm losing this. He told me not to, uh uh-huh. I'm trying not to. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Ultimately, in a mere 47 minutes, (laughs) which is far shorter than this podcast episode will be- 20-year-old <laughs> Stephen Bell emerged victorious, attributing his win to his knowledge of astrology and his ability to decipher the unique cl- clues provided. Mm-hmm. Clues provided. And although Bell claimed he was excited to show his prize to his parents, he also spoke of s- selling the medallion to buy a car. <laughs> oh. Perhaps he longed to drive away from his mother and father for repeatedly <laughs> shouting, go outside. <laughs> it's mildly offensive. So, so he won this thing. Identify. Yeah. So he won the first. Yes. Okay. All right. Dun dun. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I want dun, dun, what you're dun, smoking. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> By the time the Earth World competition took place, the first game we just talked about. The second game, Fireworld, had been out for three months. Mm-hmm. Having learned some lessons from their frustratingly difficult first <laughs> game, Atari reduced the number of rooms to 10, provided better clues, and made the pattern of objects less confoundingly random. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Consequently, 73 Knights of the Chalice identified the correct phrase. Wow. Leads to chalice. Power abounds. Wow. So, Atari employed an essay contest to narrow the field to 50 contestants. Mm-hmm. Because that's what video game enthusiasts love. <laughs> Homework. <laughs> the competition was set for November, but in an early sign of troubles to come. To come. It was, it'll sound great later on. It was postponed <laughs> until January 1984. In the end, 
Michael Rideout claimed the Chalice of Light, setting up a battle of the ages against Earthworld's champion, Stephen Bell. A battle that would never come to pass. Aww. For evil forces mm, outside worse. the realm of Sword Quest had been gathering in number. Forces yes. gathering. I'm taking like, some license here. Oh, some things are happening. Okay. Some things, right. are happening. So things are happening. So they really overcompensated mm. on making it easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my brief anecdote is that one of my dear friends yeah. in high school was one of the final 50. No way! In Fireworld. Wow. He hated the game. Didn't know how to play it. Didn't care. He deduced what the correct answers were by following the pattern and the clues oh. without knowing how to play the game properly. No kidding. And so then, because he's a genius anyway, oh wrote a great gosh. essay. He and his mom had a wonderful trip to San Francisco oh my where he sat down in front of the modified version of Firewood. Right. <laughs> and promptly... What was that? What the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> Have I been fired? <laughs> I didn't see his face. I just see you pointing. I didn't know what was going on there. I was with you. I was with you, John. I don't come to your panel you. and smack the miniature arcade cabinet out of your hands. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> and promptly did not know what to do and oh, washed out right away. Right. But he got a free trip to San Francisco. That's cool. Huh. Wow. <laughs> He's now a successful attorney. So. Oh, perfect. <laughs> crafty, crafty, and evil. And cheats. A year earlier in 1982, Atari released three games crafted by brilliant designer Howard Scott Warshaw. I know Who that we name. actually spoke to on the show. Yeah. Okay, enough name dropping. We don't need that. John, you spoke to him on your show as well. That's true. Can you, I don't have one. Cat, will you please? Right. Okay. Oh. All right, whatever. There we go. He does that every time. Fair enough. Just okay, fair enough. Very nice gentleman. A wonderful uh, fellow. Yes. Incredible story of his work at Atari. He wrote a book about it. Was mm-hmm. it uh, it's a great book. Anyway. I know he made a E.T. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I'll tell you about that right now. Like the Sword oh. Quest series, Warshaw's works were influenced by Warren Robinette's great art. Mm-hmm. Unlike Sword Quest. You think I've been practicing. <laughs> it's the name of the panel. Yeah. Sword Quest. Sword Quest. Welcome Un- to Swordcast, West Justice. <laughs> it's like one of those third-party knockoff games we had in the 80s, so many. <laughs> we can't afford Swordcast. We're going to get Swordcast. <laughs> and your mom insists it's the same thing, just, but you got it in a bargain. Just shut up and worse. play it. It was 30 bucks. <laughs> Unlike Swordcast, however, Warshaw kept his Easter eggs buried. In May of 1982, we had Yars Revenge, the first game to come with its own comic. Beating Earthworld by months. Mm-hmm. So Howard did that, you know, earlier. Mm-hmm. November saw the arrival of Raiders of the Lost Ark. The it, true. It's worth noting yep. that Howard Scott Warshaw actually had a hand in writing the lore that went in the comic oh, book. Oh, yeah. Right. It wasn't just, hey, DC, also owned by Warner, write me some backstory. Right. He participated in the actual writing of that comic, which I think was awesome. Nice. He's a credit in the comic, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Raiders of the Lost Ark was the true spiritual successor to adventure that Earthworld strived to be. And as the year ended, so too did the Warshaw Trilogy. As the eagerly anticipated, it's got to be good, right? E.T. filled store shelves. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, to meet the demands of the Christmas season, development time, which was often 10 months or more, mm -hmm. was cut to mere weeks, leading to events that would impact not only Sword Quest or its little-known successor, Sword Kest, but <laughs> the entire video game industry. I loved E.T. Me too. Uh, it, it got a bad rap. Now, uh, you know, as we'll talk about, folks know E.T. is not really responsible for the fall of video mm -hmm. games. It became the poster child. It's, a, it's actually a large part. It's, it's a large part. Why don't, you, why don't you try it in my voice, John? Sorry. You seem to get that. Sorry. I, I really sword-kested that up. I apologize. <laughs> it's really a large part to the games you're alluding to, the ones that were the knockoffs, the ones that were so poor. Right. But yeah, yeah E.T. was the biggest disappointment that was mainstream. Yeah, I mean, that's why, as we get deeper in this story, things didn't go great. I had no idea. Yeah. About any of this. <laughs> well, that. I didn't know E.T. was bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I, I, the pits I, were yeah. frustrating, but otherwise, I enjoyed it, too. Same. Yeah, 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 Same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these games, like Raiders 2, required some level of imagination to connect what you knew of the movies to the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that was part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And some games like Adventure, mm -hmm. just the artwork on a box created a whole story for you to sort of live out well, and, these and like doing and like doing the homework that you were you were mentioning it's et you had to read the instructions or you didn't understand the nuances of the game yes. and since we didn't want to read the instructions in the first place mm -hmm. you just start playing and go this doesn't make any sense right i don't like it it's is the goal the pits because i'm winning <laughs> i'm the champ look i found a flower is that part of it yeah. <laughs> am i partners <laughs> In the years following, it became clear that numerous factors were responsible mm -hmm. for the collapse of the video game industry in 1983. A glut of game systems, glut. the rise of home computers, like and the unchecked quality of third-party competitors bought the character who was so beloved on, the th on theater screens a year earlier had become a pariah on our game console. <laughs> E.T. was considered such a singularly disappointing game that it became the face of the fall. Mm -hmm. And so it came to be that in September 1983, while warriors fought fever... F I, I shouldn't put these words in. Feverishly, thank you. To uncover. Is that your speech coach over there? He's my ventriloquist. I'm merely a dummy. No comment, John. That was too easy. Low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit. Oh, I don't. Oh. Security. Oh. I don't know who let this gentleman in. Great. While warriors fought feverishly to uncover the treasures of Fireworld. Atari sent truckloads of unsellable cartridges to be buried in the New Mexico desert. Nice juxtaposition there. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. That's why I wanted to say it again. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I like it. The video game industry had imploded. Mm -hmm. Although the impact mm -hmm. would not be felt immediately, a new king would usurp the throne. Is that how you say usurp? Mm -hmm. Usurp yep. the throne at Atari. Jack Trammell. One of the world's leading, quote, business as war entrepreneurs, end quote, ruled Atari ruthlessly, cutting staff by 90% and earning comparisons to Darth Vader. Trammell's strategy for the failing brand. Darth Vader? Is this like John knows? I know John does a Darth Vader. Let's see if we can he keep probably John does a better laughing one too. than I do. I'm doing requests. Yeah. yeah. 
Now we're waiting, John. Listen, we're waiting. Layoffs. I'm sorry for the pressure. Your lack of employees disturbs me. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Yes. That's all I tell you, really. It would be I, I more like sh- the abundance of employees disturbed him. Oh, it did. He yeah. had to cut him by 90%. It depends on really what's, what are Darth Vader's political views are Eatari. I see. I was just expecting a little. <sighs> you you went beyond above and oh, beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Trammell's strategy for the failing brand was lean and hungry, unsentimental, and driven by sales. It left little room for flights of fancy or for quests for fantasy. And so Trammell dispatched the envoys feared most throughout the land. The very destroyers of dreams. Attorneys. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Your lack of scruples disturbs me. <laughs> of rubles. <laughs> rubles. Rubles. Nice. nice. Sorry, folks, there's another show going on in the audience. <laughs> the gentleman who may veilly, uh, ve- maybe have made a veiled threat to me or. Or advance! Maybe an advance, a romantic gesture. <laughs> Although Atari could not simply terminate the game. So Trammell wanted to just shut the game down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the attorneys were like, well, we can't just do that. We already got this, you know, legally we're ob- obligated to do the game. But hang well, on a second. Well, and we have two previous winners that are expecting to face off at the right. end of the series. For a shot at that $50,000 prize. Mm-hmm. And there's still supposed to be two other people. Exactly, yeah. The two other games? Two other. To that's right. Okay. Yeah. So the attorneys. So here we are, crafty. halfway through it, and the bottom just fell out of the North American video game market. Jack Tramiel said, "You're all fired." P.S. Oh yeah, this game. <laughs> oh boy. And so, since right. Atari could not simply terminate the game, Atari's barristers were deft enough to throttle it. And in another foreboding yeah. omen. The third game, Waterworld, was only available to Atari Club members. And to further oh. dumb it down, it's it featured only... It featured... Is this one of those moments you give me compliments? It featured only eight rooms, a hint book, and a mere four-word solution. <laughs> Hasten toward revealed crown. But those that survived the aquatic challenges in search of the crown of life were told that the contest was delayed until late 1984. Oh my gosh. That is until it was delayed until 1985. When did it start? <laughs> it started The when? whole thing started? The whole thing started? Uh, 82? 82. 82. Wow. Okay. In 1985, potential warriors were once again asked to submit essays to narrow down the challengers <laughs> to 10 or 15. <laughs> numbers, are very, numbers vary according to the lore. But then they were told they didn't make the cut. None of them? Uh, according to this version of the story, as I'm telling you now. <laughs> By 1986, it was clear the third contest would never take place. Sword Quest, the most bizarre, ambitious treasure hunt in the history of video games was over. Or was it? <laughs> Percussion accompaniment with that one. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. We'll have to record that in the studio to make it sound. Yeah. Um, we can cut in the Foley later. What happened to all this stuff? That's a great question. That's exactly the right question to ask yes. at this point in the show. <laughs> 
In another 35 minutes, we'll get to the answer. <laughs> but first... Well, in a 30, another 35 minutes, we'll be in the next panel. But first, available now at the Franklin Mint for a mere $50. <laughs> although there was no public... Although there was no public competition for Waterworld's crown of life, folklore tells of a contest held in secret. In response to a query in 1984, questioning if the entire Sword Quest series was a, quote, phony come on, end quote, Electronic Fun magazine stated that the first three contests had taken place. Until his untimely death in 2020, gaming historian Kurt Vendel was adamant that Atari had held the match and that the crown of life had been claimed by a mysterious champion. Mm. The final chapter, Airworld, however, died on the vine. Despite tales that the game was playable, Todd Fry, who worked on all four games, said it was only 20% complete <laughs> before being unceremoniously terminated. The game, not Todd Fry. <laughs> He's still with us. Excellent clarification. <laughs> and while others claim to have seen a script or storyboard for the comic, artist George Perez dismissed this as nonsense. By the mid-1980s, Sword Quest was truly dead. But nothing <laughs> stays buried forever. <laughs> and you know what's uncanny is that those games are so samey and so formulaic. It wasn't like there was that much more work to do. New little puzzles and mini games. It's the same goofy guy running between rooms and scaling and blocky stuff. Yeah. You would think... Airworld, assuming there was a budget and employees and a will to do so. You could have done Airworld. <laughs> yeah, no, all, if all only, those things. If only. Employees, you know. budget, <laughs> if only. Right. Simple as that. And anyone cared any longer. Yes. Then you would think they could have gotten it out, but. But Darth Vader was in charge. He was, right. You're no a strong force. Your lack of revenue disturbs me. <laughs> there you go. Now he nails it. And no oh, Kickstarter. True. Yeah. Unless Jack Tremel. Which I looked it up. It says Trammel, John. I, I thought it was Tremel too, but Tremel, Tremuzzle, but Trammel seems to be the... Anyway. But yeah, unless, unless Jack Trammel was the one kicking. You mean Conan? He's nodding knowingly over there. Even stronger than the four elements of Sword Quest is nostalgia. That's why we're all here at Southern Fried Gaming Expo. <laughs> In 2014, more than 30 years after the video game crash, the mysteries of the treasure buried in the New Mexico desert were unearthed, revealing a trove of E.T. and other video game cartridges. Yay! Among others, the dig was attended by past guest Howard Scott Warshaw. Oh. <laughs> well, it was a perfect opportunity. Thank you, Marcus. Well publicized, including a documentary, it helped draw attention to later chapters of the Atari saga. Mm -hmm. And so it came to be that three years later, Dynamic Comics released a new Sword Quest comic book, telling the tale of an adult gamer, some would say a Gen X grown-up, trying to track down and play Airworld to complete his childhood quest. Oh. And last year, Atari 50, a compilation of over a hundred video games and a documentary of the history of Atari mm -hmm. finally completed the Sword Quest saga Got it. by releasing Airworld. Players <laughs> may at long last claim the sword of ultimate sorcery uh, in the game at least. 
But <laughs> what about the treasures in the real world, Cat? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what is the treasures? <laughs> Those forged by the smiths of the Franklin Mint. <laughs> What what will you're missing out on yeah. is the looks of absolute shock. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, that game happened. What about the treasure? Like I can see it in her face because this is all new to her. That's yeah. why I told you I was loving. We're all approaching yeah. this from different angles. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I played it, you it know is. it well, and Kat is like, I'm ready to hear a new story. It's, <laughs> it has all the drama you'd expect. Yeah. I, I, we're at a point now. I'm in. I'm in. I'm invested. invested. I, yes. Treasures. Give me, okay. give me Franklin Net treasures, please. Fire World. What's that? You've had enough of the show. Marcus. Oh, that was cat. No, so just stop mean. the show. So the cat never knows what happens. <laughs> we know she doesn't. In the style of Sword Quest, I'm we're going to end this show unceremoniously in the middle. <laughs> Fire World champion Michael Rideout is still in possession of the Chalice of Light. Which he secured in a safe okay. deposit box. Mm-hmm. But according to both Rideout and historian Kurt Vendel, while Stephen Bell may have kept the gems and a small sword emblem that hung from the talisman of Pen Ultimate Truth, he melted down the medallion and sold the precious metals. Man, he really wanted to get away from his parents. <laughs> right, that was the car. It was my yeah, car. The car kid. Okay, I. Right, yeah, yeah. Wow. No one has ever come forward as the owner of the crown of life, but if the Waterworld contest was held, someone has it. Conventional wisdom dictates that the final treasure, the Sword of Ultimate Sorcery, valued at fifty thousand dollars, was returned to the Franklin Mint mm-hmm. to be melted down and repurposed as a dozen commemorative coins or <laughs> an enterprise, <laughs> perhaps. <gasps> but. Eagle-eyed employees noticed that Jack Trammell had a sword hanging in his office. That sneaky bastard. And while some claimed it was a family heirloom, we may never know for certain. (laughs) And thus, our tale begins as it began, mired in mystery. Or does it? (laughs) I think there's only like one more page left. It begins just as it began. It's Okay, Marcus, let me go back and do that just for a No one will know. And thus, and thus, our tale ends as it began. Mired in mystery, or does it? Or does it? (laughs) (laughs) Although a version of Airworld was... Oh, wait, let me play this other music instead. Let's see. No, that's fine. Although a version of Airworld was eventually released... The solution does not include a phrase. The Sword Quest Quatrain, begun over 40 years ago, remains incomplete. Quest in tower, talisman found. Leads to chalice, power abounds. Haste toward revealed crown. (laughs) The first three games tracked a series of clues from video game to comic. So... Is it just coincidence that the recent years have given us a new video game and a new comic? Perhaps the clues are still out there to lead a new champion to the Sword of Ultimate Sorcery or Jack Trammell's office. (laughs) (laughs) 
Perhaps the true sword quest is just waiting for a brave soul to accept the challenge. Will you take up the adventure? No. <laughs> I thought I was playing disco for a second. <laughs> so that's it. That's the whole story there. <laughs> I mean, how do I stop this? Three. So I yeah, it's kind of nuts. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I almost I wish that we could do something like that today, obviously using the technology we have. Mm-hmm. Make it quaint, more like a vintage game, maybe in some sense. But having now we have what esports, so folks are competing for real prizes like that all mm-hmm. the time. But it's different. It's different than being able to, you know, solve uh, some sort of mystery from your own home and your living room with your friends gathered around the TV. And this is reminding me of yep. um, Ready Player One in a way. Certainly, yes, as well it should. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think he? I forget the author's Ernest name. Klein. Yeah, Ernest yes. Klein. Do, yeah. you, do you think he drew upon that? Well, he certainly drew upon Adventure, which was mm-hmm. featured prominently, yeah. the existence yeah. of Easter eggs and those yeah. sorts yeah. of things. Okay. And, and maybe the beauty of, if the games themselves were not of the quality you would hope to follow up these kinds of titles, it's, it certainly was emblematic of the era in which we grew up, this merging of, this merging of the emerging digital technology with the analog of a comic book in my hand and the two are connected and interweaved and you can enjoy an immersive multimedia experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a comic book and an Atari game, yeah. you know, which is really neat. And, it, you know, now if they did it, you know, type these codes into your phone, scan this QR code, right. it's going to stay in the mm-hmm. digital realm. Right. Yeah. But yeah. You, yeah, you, you'd like to real. take a step back and enjoy that analog via facet. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to John's point, Ernest Klein, the book opens with the reference to Adventure's Easter egg. Mm-hmm. And I believe, if anyone else is remember, I believe later in the book, Sword Quest is one of the challenges he has. Oh, that's what I'm wondering. It's Did he specifically right? include, I couldn't remember if he included yeah. Sword right? Quest. Yeah. Okay. It's been a while, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, I, hey, I guess that's it. Yes. Yeah, I do not know. Of the Sword Quest series? Yeah. yeah. I I, well, they only sold three, and they were of declining value. I mean, they were less interesting almost, but there, there are stalwart people that still, it's almost like they don't have the value today that they would to replay because they were about a real contest in the world and you can't do that. And you already know the answer mm-hmm. <laughs> is the other problem. Yeah. Yeah. I would be interested to see what sales numbers were. Did it come even close to matching the, the $150,000 plus all the promotion that they nailed into that? Well, <laughs> Did they break but they even? didn't finish. So <laughs> well, for $25,000. That would be lovely. Maybe love it that was question. me. <laughs> yeah, $25,000 in Good 1980 question. could get you some sweet ride, I would imagine. Yes. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Oh, man. Well, he kept right. the gemstones and the little sword. So maybe we'll say 20 grand, but still. They're, they still released a couple in 88, I think, and maybe even 89. That was well after the crash, but they were pumping out titles for the Atari uh, 2600 Junior which was then relegated to the kind of like $50 game thing for the little brother. So they were still putting out some titles mm-hmm. later. Almost in, I'm not going to be Wikipedia here, but I'm going to say they stopped by 90-ish, but they were still putting stuff out late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, although we had this uh, video game crash, it was exclusively to America, essentially, because, you know, it Nintendo was, came yeah. in and was having a wild success early overseas. And then we had the Famicom with the Famicom system and then... Surely they're after the NES in U.S., right? And there's the benefit of the video game crash in North America that people don't tend to re- mention, which is when the values of all the games that were in the stores crashed, 
less affluent families who could not afford them could now snatch them up at clearance prices oh, yeah. and start to build a groundswell of people who went, oh, video games, these are cool yeah. and cheap as hell. And then, hey. hey, look, here comes Nintendo to capture that market that were buying super discount, what you would consider crappier games. There were certainly less fidelity to them. Nintendo came in with greater fidelity at full mm -hmm. market value and kicked it off again. But and there was a continuity. Mm, they, yeah. Well, an it, underground not, not with successful yeah. market, market share, right, right. but there was a continuity of, of hey, let's bring more gamers in because it's super cheap. Right, with users. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, yeah, and Nintendo yeah. learned a lesson from Atari that they control the, the, uh, the products. Mm -hmm. no, so no you crap can't wear. have third-party competitors creating these garbage games uh, for their system. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, third parties were allowed, but each third right. party was only allowed two titles per year. Right. They had to pick the cream of the crop to make sure they maximized their revenue. And then you'd get that seal. Yep. Oh. And, and there, was a, there was a chip in there in each cartridge that made it authentic and a seal that said you're a quality seal. Therefore, Nintendo became equivalent to quality because they forced it. Hey, I've got to say a very special thanks to George Krupski. Oh, yes, yes. Our friend who's a screenwriter and writes a whole other things as well. In fact, in fact he just was writing the expansion stories for Firefly, the game, Firefly. the, the yep. 20th anniversary. Right. He wrote the expansion packs. He did a fundraiser. You know, I didn't tell you, or a Kickstarter. It was one of those type things. I didn't yeah. tell you guys. We had, before it was starting, we did a, hey, please help them out. Their goal was like $150,000 or something. They raised over a million dollars within like a week or something. The it's power insane. of podcasting. So, so George oh Krepsky, our buddy who's gosh. doing writing uh, content like that, also wow. wrote our awesome. story today. So special yep. thanks to George for, him. Uh, for all of his research and his uh, clever writing. Thank you, George. And that was our show. And our show is brought to you every week, thanks in part to our early adopters like Kathy Burke. Mm-hmm. Karen Flieger and Rick Parker was <laughs> sitting right here with us. <laughs> so excited to meet you, Rick. <laughs> I mean, poor Kathy Burke and the others, though, right? I mean, right, right. I, had, right. I even had no to enthusiasm. switch the order. Rick I Parker and these two. Wow, Kat. <laughs> Hey, a bunch of other people. They could have shown know what? up. They could have shown up. They could have shown up. Oh, I'm sorry, Kathy. Yeah, and, uh, I even uh, had it in a different order, a different yeah. rotation, but I, at last minute I had to switch it around mm, Kathy, so Rick Karen, could have the flourish. All right. <laughs> so, critical. And also, thank you especially to our Secret of Our Success Level Patreon mm -hmm. supporters mm -hmm. like Tony Great, Great. Brandon, Brandon Greer, nice. Nick Guillory. Go, Nick. John Henderson. How's she going to handle this? Craig Coletta. And with us right now, Brad Bowman and Marcus Taylor. So happy you're here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, guys, uh, again, folks here gathered here today, you don't know who the hell we are, and that's fine. But we do host a show <laughs> called 1980s Now. Every week, uh, you can find us on any podcast platform. I could even give you a business card that has a QR code that you could scan. that will take you to the app. Um, can you say but, that faster, real quick? Just, but just, hey, for folks who, they'll slow it down later. You can do that on the thing. They're going to speed up the whole rest of the show. And they'll slow down that part. You could use a time code to get to it. If you guys stick around, I'm going to say goodbye to this recording here, and then we'll give something away. Hey, uh, all right, hey. So uh, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>